0: 11. Bleoberis, amazed, hast thou then met with them, by my faith, they were two good knights and men of worship, and if thou hast beat both thou must needs be a good knight, but for all that thou shalt beat me also ere thou hast this lady, defend thee, then, cried out Sir Tristram, and came upon him swiftly with his spear in rest, but Sir Bleobarys was as swift as thee, and each bore down the other, horse and all, unto the earth. Then they sprang clear of their horses, and lashed together full eagerly and mightily with their swords, tracing and traversing on the right hand and on the left more than two hours, and sometimes rushing together with such fury that they both lay groveling on the ground. At last Sir Oblioberis started back and said, Now, gentle knight, hold hard a while, and let us speak together, say on, said Sir Tristram, and I will answer thee, Sir, said Sir Oblioberis, I would know thy name, and court, and country, I have no shame to tell them, said Sir Tristram, I am Kin Melio his son, and my mother was sister to Kin Mark, from whose court I now come, my name is Sir Tristram de Lewanis. truly, said Sir Blio I am right glad to hear it, for thou art he that slew Sir Marhau's hand to hand, fighting for the Cornish tribute, and overcame Sir Palamed's at the great Irish tournament. Where also thou didst overthrow Sir Gawain and his nine companions? I am that knight, said Sir Tristram, and now I pray thee tell me thy name. I am Sir Bleoberis de Gannis, cousin of Sir Lancelot of the lake, one of the best knights in all the world. He answered, Thou sayest truth, said Sir Tristram, for Sir Lancelot, as all men know, is peerless in courtesy and knighthood. And for the great love I bear to his name I will not willingly fight more with thee his kinsman. In good faith, Sir Or, said Sir Leo berries, I am as loath to fight thee more, but since thou hast followed me to win this lady, I proffer thee kindness, courtesy, and gentleness, this lady shall be free to go with which of us she pleaseth best. I am content, said Sir Tristram, for I doubt not she will come to me. That shalt thou shortly prove, said he, and called his squire. And set the lady in the midst between them, who forthwith walked to Sir Erblio Berry's and elected to abide with him, which, when Sir Tristram saw, he was in wondrous anger with her, and felt that he could scarce for shame return to Kinmark's court. But Sir Erblio Berry said, Hearken to me, good night, Sir Tristram, because Kinmark gave me free choice of any gift, and because this lady chose to go with me, I took her, but now I have fulfilled my quest and my adventure. And for thy sake she shall be sent back to her husband at the Abbey where he lieth. So Sir Tristram rode back to Tindigil, and Sir berries to the Abbey where Sir Segwareides lay wounded, and there delivered up his lady, and departed as a noble knight. After this adventure Sir Tristram abode still at his uncle's court, till in the envy of his heart Kinmark devised a plan to be rid of him. So on a certain day he desired him to depart again for Ireland, and there demand Lobelizald on his behalf to be his queen forever had Sir Tristram praised her beauty and her goodness, till Kinmark desired to wed her for himself, moreover, he believed his nephew surely would be slain by the queen's kindred if he once were found again in Ireland, but Sir Tristram, scorning fear, made ready to depart, and took with him the noblest knights that could be found, arrayed in the richest fashion, and when they were to come to Ireland, upon a certain day Sir Tristram gave his uncle's message, and kin anguish consented thereto, but when La Belle was told the tidings she was very sorrowful and loath yet made she ready to set forth with Sir Tristram, and took with her Dame Bragwain, her chief gentlewoman, then the queen gave Dame Bragwain and Governail, Sir Tristram's servant, a little flask, and charged them that Lobel Belle and and Mark should both drink of it on their marriage day, and then should they surely love each other all their lives, and on, Sir Tristram and Isaalt, with a great company, took the sea and departed, and so it chanced that one day sitting in their cabin they were our thirst, and saw a little flask of gold which seemed to hold good wine, so Sir Tristram took it up, and said, Fair lady, this look it e to be the best of wines, and your maid, Dame Bragwain, and my servant, Dovernail, have kept it for themselves, thereat they both laughed merrily, and drank each after other from the flask and never before had they tasted any wine which seemed so good and sweet. But by the time they had finished drinking they loved each other so well that their love nevermore might leave them for weal or woe. And thus it came to pass that though Sir Tristram might never wed Lobel I's alt, he did the mightiest deeds of worms for her sake only all his life. Illustration, by the time they had finished drinking they loved each other so well that their love nevermore might leave them. Then they sailed onwards till they came to a castle called Pleur, where they would have rested, but in on there ran forth the great company and took them prisoners, and when they were in prison, Sir Tristram asked a knight and lady whom they found there and wherefore they were so shamefully dealt with, for, said he, it was never the custom of any place of honour that I ever came unto to seize a knight and lady asking shelter and thrust them into prison, and a full evil and discourteous custom is it, Sir, said the knight, know ye not that this is called the castle plure? or the weeping castle, and that it is an ancient custom here that whatsoever knight abideth in it must needs fight the lord of it, sir or and he that is the weakest shall lose his head, and if the lady he hath with him be less fair than the lord's wife, she shall lose her head, but if she be fairer, then must the lady of the castle lose her head, now heaven help me, said sir tristram, but this is a foul and shameful custom, yet have I one advantage, for my lady is the fairest that doth lie in all the world, so that I nothing fear for her, and as for me, I will full gladly fight for my own head in a fair field. Then said the knight, Look ye be up betimes to-morrow, and make you ready and your lady. And on the morrow came Sir Brunner to Sir Tristram, and put him and Eyes all forth out of prison, and brought him a horse and armor, and bade him make ready, for all the commons and estates of that lordship waited in the field to see and judge the battle. Then Sir Brunner, holding his lady by the hand, all muffled, came forth, and Sir Tristram went to meet him with low bell Eyes all beside him, muffled also. Then said Sir Brunner, Sir Knight, if thy lady be fairer than mine, with my sword smite off my lady's head. But if my lady be fairer than mine, with my sword I will smite off thy lady's head. And if I overcome thee, thy lady shall be mine, and thou shalt lose thy head. Sir Knight replied, Sir Tristram. This is a right foul and felon custom, and rather than my lady shall lose her head will I lose my own. Nay, said Sir Brunner, but the ladies shall be now compared together and judgment shall be had. I consent not, cried Sir Tristram, for who is here that will give rightful judgment, yet doubt not that my lady is far fairer than thine own, and that will I prove and make good. Therewith Sir Tristram lifted up the veil frown off Lobel eyes alt and stood beside her with his naked sword drawn in his hand, then Sir and muffled his lady and did in like manner, but when he saw Lobel eyes alt he knew that none could be so fair, and all their present gave their judgment so, then said Sir Tristram, because thou and thy lady have long used this evil custom, and have slain many good knights and ladies, it were a just thing to destroy thee both, in good sooth, said Sir Bruner, thy lady is fairer than mine, and of all women I never saw any so fair. Therefore, slay my lady if thou wilt, and I doubt not but I shall slay thee and have thine. Thou shalt win her, said Sir Tristram, as dearly as ever knight one lady, and because of my own judgment and of the evil custom that thy lady hath consented to, I will slay her as thou sayest. And therewithal Sir Tristram went to him and took his lady from him, and smote off her head at a stroke. Now take thy horse, cried out Sir Brunner. For since I have lost my lady I will win thine and have thy life, so they took their horses and came together as fast as they could fly, and Sir Tristram lightly smote Sir Brunner from his horse, but he rose right quickly, and when Sir Tristram came again he thrust his horse through both the shoulders, so that it reeled and fell, but Sir Tristram was light and nimble, and voided his horse, and rose up and dressed his shield before him, though meanwhile, ere he could draw out his sword, Sir Orbruner gave him three or four grievous strokes. Then they rushed furiously together like two wild boars, and fought hurtling and hewing here and there for nigh two hours, and wounded each other full sorely. Then, at the last, Sir Orbruner rushed upon Sir Tristram and took him in his arms to throw him, for he trusted greatly in his strength. But Sir Tristram was at that time called the strongest and biggest knight of the world, for he was bigger than Sir Lancelot, though Sir Lancelot was better breathed. So anon he thrust Sir Brunner groveling to the earth, and then unlaced his helm and struck off his head. Then all they that belonged to the castle came and did him homage and fealty, and prayed him to abide there for a season and put an end to that foul custom. But within a while he departed and came to Cornwall, and there Kinmark was forthwith wedded to Lobel all with great joy and splendor, and Sir Tristram had high honor, and ever lodged at the king's court. But for all he had done him such services kin mark hated him, and on a certain day he set two knights to fall upon him as he rode in the forest, but Sir Tristram lightly smote one's head off, and sorely wounded the other, and made him bear his fellow's body to the king, at that the king dissembled and hid from Sir Tristram that the knights were sent by him, yet more than ever he hated him in secret, and sought to slay him, so on a certain day, by the ascent of Sir Andret, a false knight and forty other knights, Sir Tristram was taken prisoner in his sleep and carried to a chapel on the rocks above the sea to be cast down, but as they were about to cast him in suddenly he break his bonds asunder, and rushing at Sir Andret, took his sword and smote him down therewith, then, leaping down the rocks where none could follow, he escaped them, but one shot after him and wounded him full sorely with a poisoned arrow in the arm, and on, his servant governail, with Sir Lambegu sought him and found him safe among the rocks, and told him that King Mark had banished him and all his followers to avenge Sir Andrat's death. So they took ship and came to Brittany. Now Sir Tristram, suffering great anguish from his wound, was told to seek Isaud, the daughter of the King of Brittany, for she alone could cure such wounds. Wherefore he went to King Howell's court, and said, Lord, I am come into this country to have help from thy daughter for men tell me none but she may help me, and I sought gladly offering to do her best, within a month he was made whole, while he abode still at that court, an earl named Greal made war upon King Howell, and besieged him, and Sir Arcahetes, the king's son, went forth against him, but was beaten in battle and sore wounded, then the king praying Sir Tristram for his help, he took with him such knights as he could find, and on the morrow, in another battle, did such deeds of arms that all the land spake of him, for there he slew the earl with his own hands, and more than a hundred knights besides, when he came back King Howell met him, and saluted him with every honor and rejoicing that could be thought of, and took him in his arms, and said, Sir Tristram, all my kingdom will I resign to thee. Nay, answered he, God forbid, for truly am I beholden to you forever for your daughter's sake. Then the king prayed him to take ice out in marriage with a great dower of lands and castles, to this Sir Tristram presently consenting and on they were wedded at the court, but within a while Sir Tristram greatly longed to see Cornwall, and Sir Archahedes desired to go with him, so they took ship, but as soon as they were at sea the wine blew them upon the coast of North Wales, night to castle perilous, hard by a forest wherein were many strange adventures oft times to be met, then said Sir Tristram to Sir Archahedes, Let us prove some of them ere we depart. So they took their horses and rode forth, when they had ridden a mile or more. Sir Tristram spied a goodly knight before him well armed, who sat by a clear fountain with a strong horse near him, tied to an oak tree. Fair Sir, said he, when they came near, ye seem to be a knight errant by your arms and harness, therefore make ready now to joust with one of us, or both, thereat the knight spake not, but took his shield and buckled it round his neck. And leaping on his horse caught a spear from his squire's hand. Then said Sir Okehedes to Sir Tristram, Let me assay him, do thy best, said he. So the two knights met, and Sir Okehedes fell sorely wounded in the breast. Thou hast well jousted, cried Sir Tristram to the knight, Now make ready for me. I am ready, answered he, and encountered him, and smote him so heavily that he fell down from his horse, whereat, being ashamed, he put his shield before him, and drew his sword, crying to the strange knight to do likewise. Then they fought on foot for well nigh two hours, till they were both weary. At last Sir Tristram said, In all my life I never met a knight so strong and well-breathed as ye be. It were a pity we should further hurt each other. Hold thy hand, fair knight, and tell me thy name. That will I, answered thee, if thou wilt tell me thine, my name, said thee, is Sir Tristram of Leones. And mine, Sir Lermurki of Gaul. Then both cried out together, "Well met!" And Sir Lermurki said, Sir, for your great renown, I will that ye have all the wardership of this battle, and therefore will I yield me unto you." And therewith he took his sword by the point to yield him. "Nay," said Sir Tristram, "ye shall not do so, for well I know ye do it of courtesy and not of dread." And therewith he offered his sword to Sir Lermurki, saying, "Siror." as an overcome knight, I yield me unto you as unto the man of noblest powers I have ever met with. Hold, said Sir Alamrochi, let us now swear together nevermore to fight against each other. Then did they swear as he said. Then Sir Tristram returned to Sir Acahedis, and when he was whole of his wounds, they departed together in a ship, and landed on the coast of Cornwall. And when they came ashore, Sir Tristram eagerly sought news of Lobel I's alt, and one told him in mistake that she was dead, whereat, for sore and grievous sorrow, he fell down in a swoon, and so lay for three days and nights, when he awoke therefrom he was crazed, and ran into the forest and abode there like a wild man many days, whereby he waxed lean and weak of body, and would have died, but that a hermit laid some meat beside him as he slept, now in that forest was a giant named Talias, who, for fear of Tristram, had hid himself within a castle but when they told him he was mad, came forth and went at large again, and on a certain day he saw a knight of Cornwall, named Sir Ardynant, pass by with a lady, and when he had alighted by a well to rest, the giant leaked out from his ambush, and took him by the throat to slay him, but Sir Tristram, as he wandered through the forest, came upon them as they struggled, and when the knight cried out for help, he rushed upon the giant, and taking up Sir Ardynant's sword, Struck off there with the giant's head, and straightway disappeared among the trees. And on, Sir Ordinon took the head of Talias, and bare it with him to the court of Kinmark, whither he was bound, and told of his adventures. Where had ye this adventure? said Kinmark, at a fair fountain in my forest, answered he, I would fain see that wild man, said the king. So within a day or two he commanded his knights to a great hunting in the forest, and when the king came to the well, he saw a wild man lying there asleep, having a sword beside him, but he knew not that it was Sir Tristram. Then he blew his horn, and summoned all his knights to take him gently up and bear him to the court. And when they came there to they bathed and washed him, and brought him somewhat to his right mind. Now Lobel all knew not that Sir Tristram was in Cornwall, but when she heard that a wild man had been found in the forest, she came to see him, and so sorely was he changed, she knew him not, yet said she to Dame Bragwaine, in good faith I seem to have beheld him oft times before, as she thus spoke a little hound, which Sir Tristram had given her when she first came to Cornwall, and which was ever with her, saw Sir Tristram lying there, and leapt upon him, licking his hands and face, and whined and barked for joy, alas, cried out Lobel I's alt, it is my own true knight, Sir Tristram, and at her voice Sir Tristram's senses wholly came again, and well night he wept for joy to see his lady living, but never would the hound depart from Tristram, and one kin mark and other knights came up to see him, it sat upon his body and bade at all who came too near, then one of the knights said, surely this is Sir Tristram, I see it by the hound, nay, said the king, it cannot be, and asked Sir Tristram on his faith who he was, my name, said he, is Sir Tristram of Leones, and now ye may do what ye list with me, Then the king said, It repents me that ye are recovered, and sought to make his barons slay him, but most of them would not assent thereto, and counseled him instead to banish Tristram for ten years again from Cornwall, for returning without orders from the king. So he was sworn to depart forthwith, and as he went towards the ship a knight of King Arthur, named Sir Ordinadon, who sought him, came and said, Fair knight, ere that you pass out of this country, I pray you joust with me with a good will, said he. Then they ran together, and Sir Tristram lightly smote him from his horse, and on he prayed Sir Tristram's leave to bear him company, and when he had consented they rode together to the ship. Then was Sir Tristram full of bitterness of heart, and said to all the knights who took him to the shore, Greet well Mark, and all mine enemies from me, and tell them I will come again when I may. Well am I now rewarded for slaying Sir Markhouse and delivering this kingdom from its bondage, and for the perils wherewithal I brought Lobel I's alt from Ireland to the king, and rescued her at the castle Pluer, and for the slaying of the giant Talias, and all the other deeds that I have done for Cornwall and Kinmark, thus angrily and passing bitterly he spake, and went his way, and after sailing a while the ship stayed at a landing place upon the coast of Wales, and there Sir Tristram and Sir Ardenadon alighted, and on the shore they met two knights. Sir Ector and Sir Erbors and Sir Ector encountered with Sir Odinodon and smote him to the ground. But Sir Erbors would not encounter with Sir Tristram, for said he, "No Cornish knights are men of worship, Thereat Sir Tristram was full wroth. But presently there met them two more knights, Sir Bleoberis and Sir Driant, and Sir Bleoberis proffered to joust with Sir Tristram, who shortly smote him down. "I had not thought," cried out Sir Erbors that any Cornish knight could do so valiantly. Then Sir Tristram and Sir Ordinadon departed, and rode into a forest, and as they rode a damsel met them, who for Sir Lancelot's sake was seeking any noble knights to rescue him, for Queen Morgan Fay, who hated him, had ordered thirty men at arms to lie in ambush for him as he passed, with the intent to kill him. So the damsel prayed them to rescue him. Then said Sir Tristram, Bring me to that place, fair damsel, but Sir Ordinadon cried out, It is not possible for us to meet with thirty knights, I will take no part in such a hardihood, for to match one or two or three knights is enough, but to match fifteen I will never assay, For shame, replied Sir Tristram. Do but your part, that will I not, said he, Wherefore, I pray ye, lend me your shield, for it is of Cornwall, and because men of that country are deemed cowards, ye are but little troubled as ye ride with knights to joust with. Nay, said Sir Tristram, I will never give my shield up for her sake who gave it me, but if thou wilt not stand by me today I will surely slay thee, for I ask no more of thee than to fight one knight, and if thy heart will not serve thee that much, thou shalt stand by and look on me and them, would God that I had never met with thee, cried Sir Ordinadon, but I promise to look on and do all that I may to save myself. And on they came to where the thirty knights lay waiting, and Sir Tristram rushed upon them, saying, "Here is one who fights for love of Lancelot." Then slew the two of them at the first onset with his spear, and ten more swiftly after with his sword. At that Sir Ordinadon took courage and assailed the others with him till they turned and fled. But Sir Tristram and Sir Ordinadon rode on till nightfall, and meeting with a shepherd, asked him if he knew of any lodging thereabouts. Truly, fair lords said he. There is good lodging in a castle hard by, but it is a custom there that none shall lodge there and save ye first joust with two knights, and as soon as ye be within, ye shall find your match. That is an evil lodging, said Sir Ordinadon, lodge where ye will, I will not lodge there, shame on thee, said Sir Tristram, art thou a knight at all? Then he required him on his knighthood to go with him, and they rode together to the castle, as soon as they were near. Two knights came out and ran full speed against them, but both of them they overthrew and went within the castle and had noble cheer. Now, when they were unarmed and ready to take rest, there came to the castle gate two knights, Sir Palamedes and Sir Gaheris, and desired the custom of the castle. "I would far rather rest than fight," said Sir Odinadon. "That may not be," replied Sir Tristram. "For we must needs defend the custom of the castle, seeing we have overcome its lords." therefore, make ready, alas that I ever came into your company, said Sir ordinadon so they made ready, and Sir Aguirre's encountered Sir Tristram and fell before him, but Sir Arpalamid's overthrew Sir ordinadon then would all fight on foot save Sir Ordinadon, for he was sorely bruised and frightened by his fall, and when Sir Tristram prayed him to fight, I will not, answered he, for I was wounded by those thirty knights with whom we fought this morning, and as to you, ye are in truth like one gone mad, and who would cast himself away, there be but two knights in the world so mad, and the other is Sir Lancelot, with whom I once rode forth, who kept me her more at battling so that for a quarter of a the year thereafter I lay in my bed, Heaven defend me again from either of your fellowships. Well, said Sir Tristram, if it must be, I will fight them both, Therewith he drew his sword and assailed Sir Orpilamids and Sir Agahiris together, but Sir Orpilamids said, Nay. But it is a shame for two to fight with one. So he bade Sir Agahiris stand by. And he and Sir Tristram fought long together, but in the end Sir Tristram drave him backward. Whereat Sir Agahiris and Sir Dinadon with one accord sundered them. Then Sir Tristram prayed the two knights to launch there, but Sir Dinadon departed and rode away into a priory hard by and there he lodged that night, and on the morrow came Sir Tristram to the priory to find him, and seeing him so weary that he could not ride, he left him, and departed, at that same priory was lodged Sir Pellinor, who asked Sir Ordinodon Sir Ortristram's name, but could not learn it, for Sir Tristram had charged that he should remain unknown, then said Sir Pellinor, since ye will not tell it me, I will ride after him and find it myself, beware, Sir Knight. Said Sir Ardynadon, Ye will repent it if ye follow him. But Sir Pellinor straightway mounted and overtook him, and cried to him to joust, whereat Sir Tristram forthwith turned and smote him down, and wounded him full sorely in the shoulder. On the day after, Sir Tristram met a herald, who told him of a tournament proclaimed between King Cardus of Scotland, and the King of North Wales, to be held at the Maiden's Castle. Now King Cardus sought Sir Lancelot to fight there on his side and the king of North Wales sought Sir Tristram, and Sir Tristram purposed to be there, so as he rode, he met Sir Archie, the seneschal, and Sir Sagrammer, and Sir Archie proffered to joust with him, but he refused, desiring to keep himself and wearied for the tourney, then Sir Archie cried, Sir Knight of Cornwall, joust with me, or yield as recreant, when Sir Tristram heard that, he fiercely turned and set his spear in rest, and spurred his horse towards him, but when Sir Arki saw him so madly coming on, he in his turn refused, whereat Sir R. Tristram called him clowered, till for shame he was compelled to meet him. Then Sir R. Tristram lightly smote him down, and rode away. But Sir Sagramer pursued him, crying loudly to joust with him also. So Sir R. Tristram turned and quickly overthrew him likewise, and departed, and on a damsel met him as he rode, and told him of a knight adventurous who did great harm thereby and prayed him for his help, but as he went with her he met Sir Edwane, who knew the damsel for a maiden of Queen Morgan Fay, eh? knowing, therefore, that she needs must have evil plots against Sir Tristram, Sir Edwane demanded of him courteously whither he went, I know not whither, said he, save as this damsel leadeth me, Sir, said Sir Edwane, ye shall not ride with her, for she and her lady never yet did good to any, and, drawing his sword, he said to the damsel, Tell me now straightway for what cause thou leadest this night or else shalt thou die, for I know of all thy lady's treason. Mercy, Sir Egwene, cried the damsel, and I will tell thee all. Then she told him that Queen Morgan had ordained thirty fair damsels to seek out Sir Lancelot and Sir Tristram, and by their wiles persuade them to her castle, where she had thirty knights in wait to slay them. "Oh shame! cried Sir Egwene, that ever such foul treason should be wrought by a queen, and a king's sister, then said he to Sir Tristram, Sir Knight, if you will stand with me, we will together approve the malice of these thirty knights, I will not fail you, answered he, for but few days since I had to do with thirty knights of that same queen, and trust we may win honor as lightly now as then, so they rode together, and when they came to the castle, Sir Edwain cried aloud, Queen Morgan Lee faye send out thy knights that we may fight with them. Then the queen urged her knights to issue forth, but they durst not, for they well knew Sir Tristram, and feared him greatly. So Sir Tristram and Sir Gawain went on their way, and as they rode they saw a knight, named Sir Abruz without penny, chasing a lady, with intent to slay her. Then Sir Edwane prayed Sir Tristram to hold still and let him assail that knight. So he rode up between Sir Abruz and the lady, and cried, False knight. Turn ye to me and leave that lady. Then Sir Bruce turned and set his spear in rest, and rushed against Sir Aguain and overthrew him, and rode his horse upon him as he lay, which when Sir Tristram saw, he cried, Forbear that villainy, and galloped at him. But when Sir Bruce saw by the shield it was Sir Tristram, he turned and fled, and though Sir Tristram followed swiftly after him, yet he was so well horsed that he escaped. And on Sir Tristram and Sir Gawain came nigh the maiden's castle, and there an old knight named Sir Pallons gave them lodging, and Sir Persides, the son of Sir Pallons, a good knight, came out to welcome them, and, as they stood talking at a bay window of the castle, they saw a goodly knight ride by on a black horse, and carrying a black shield, what knight is that, asked Tristram, one of the best knights in all the world, said Sir Persides, is he Sir Lancelot? Said Sir Tristram. Nay, answered Sir Persides. It is Sir Palamedes who is yet Christened. Within a while, one came and told them that a knight with a black shield had smitten down thirteen knights. Let us go and see this jousting, said Sir Tristram. So they armed themselves and went down. And when Sir Palamedes saw Sir Persides, he sent a squire to him and proffered him to joust. So they jousted, and Sir Persides was overthrown. Then Sir Tristram made ready to joust, but ere he had his spear in rest, Sir Palamids took him at advantage, and struck him on the shield so that he fell, at that Sir Tristram was wroth out of measure and sore ashamed, wherefore he sent a squire and prayed Sir Palamids to joust once again, but he would not, saying, Tell thy master to revenge himself tomorrow at the maiden's castle, where he shall see me again. So on the morrow Sir Tristram commanded his servant to give him a black shield with no cognizance thereon, and the and Sir rode into the tournament and joined King Caradu's side. Then the knights of the king of North Wales came forth, and there was a great fighting and breaking of spears, and overthrow of men and horses. Now King Arthur sat above in a high gallery to see the tourney and give the judgment, and Sir Lancelot sat beside him, then came against Sir Tristram and Sir Persides two knights with them of north Wales, Sir Orbleoberis and Sir Aguiris, and Sir Persides was smitten down and nigh slain, for four horsemen rode over him, but Sir Tristram rode against Sir Aguiris and smote him from his horse, and when Sir Ablioberis next encountered him, he overthrew him also, and on they horsed themselves again, and with them came Sir Dinedon, whom Sir Tristram forthwith smote so sorely, that he reeled off his saddle, then cried he, God! Sir Knight, I know ye better than ye deem, and promise never more to come against ye. Then rode Sir Bleoberis at him the second time, and had a it that felled him to the earth, and soon thereafter the king commanded to cease for that day, and all men marvelled who Sir Tristram was, for the prize of the first day was given him in the name of the Knight of the Black Shield. Now Sir Arpelamids was on the side of the king of North Wales, but knew not Sir Tristram again, and When he saw his marvelous deeds, he sent to ask his name. As to that, said Sir Tristram, he shall not know at this time, but telephone.